Thank you for joining us on this Desiring God Theological Podcast for Pastors. This is David Mathis, and I am joined here today on the theme of missions with Jerry Rankin, longtime leader of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptists and the President Emeritus currently of the Southern Baptist Missions Group, the International Mission Board. Jerry, thank you for joining us. I thought I'd start our time with Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is so important. We want to stay fresh on that as Christian leaders. Jesus, to his 11 disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all always to the end of the age. Jerry, would you tell us about uh, this reaching of the nations, going and discipling the nations that Jesus talks about here in the commission? Well, David, I guess if there's any verse of scripture, a good evangelical Christian should know next to John three sixteen. of course, it, it would be this great commission passage when Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And I find that so many people, though we're aware of that, we, we treat it rather indifferently. Many pastors kind of see it as an afterthought. Jesus, having come to the end of his ministry, kind of thought, oh, by the way, why don't you go and make disciples of other nations? Rather than a mandate that reflected the heart and mission of God from the foundation of the world. And uh, I find that so many pastors dismiss it as whatever they happen to do in witness and ministry, forgetting that the objective is the nations, the pantata ethne, all the ethnos and peoples uh, of the world. And uh, that's the, the mission, God's desire to be exalted among the nations. It's the central theme of the scripture. Why Jesus came and died, as he explained to his disciples, it wasn't just to save us. He said the, in Luke 24, 46 through 47, said it was written and necessary for the Son of Man to die and be raised again, that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name among all nations. And so this is the message and mission that represents the, the heart of God. And I think one of the things that has disturbed me in seeking to mobilize Southern Baptists to be involved in missions and to support missions is to see many pastors that are neglecting the very thing that would revitalize their church with mm -hmm. spiritual health and fervor. Mm -hmm. So many times I'm at a mission conference in a church and afterwards the pastor will say something to the effect, Dr. Rankin, we appreciate you coming and challenging our people. You know, we're trying to build up our church. We're trying to reach our community. We're trying to pay off the indebtedness of our building programs. And then we're going to get our people involved in missions. But they never fulfill that criteria to move to another dimension and become involved in global outreach. Yet we could document the pastors and churches that are challenging their people to pray for unreached people groups, to give generously and sacrificially to missions, providing opportunities for short-term mission trips and calling out missionaries. And I've yet to see one that God is not blessing in their local outreach and ministry. 
because missions is not an optional option. It's not an either or to do global missions or to reach people at home. Certainly God wants us to witness and minister to people where we live, but it doesn't exempt us of the responsibility to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. For if we don't do it, who will? We're the people of God. We're the ones that have the message of hope and salvation, of the sovereign grace of God that's available to a lost world. And if we don't take it to one billion Muslims across Northern Africa and the Middle East, who will? If we don't take it to the masses of cities in Asia, who will? If we don't strategically take the risk and the innovation to invest to reach the unreached people groups that don't have access to the gospel. Who will? It's like uh, God said through Isaiah, Isaiah 49.6, it's too small a thing for you to be in, involved against the, the chosen one of Israel. I've called you as a light to the nations that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That's God's call and mandate to the church, the people of God. And it's the pastor's responsibility to lead that effort. And it will happen only when the pastor has a passion and priority for the mission of God and a burden for the nations and peoples that are yet to be reached. Jerry, when we talk about nations, we don't mean geopolitical states, different colors on the map, China, India, but we mean ethnic linguistic groupings of people such that there are thousands of these people groups in India and in China. I think the Joshua Project estimates about 16,000 people groups. Is that right? Well, there are different different criteria for determining them somewhere between 11, 16,000, however you define them, geographically, ethnically, linguistically. Uh, and it's, it's incomprehensible to us that there are still people today, masses of people groups, where there are no churches, there are no Christian believers among them. There's no scripture in their language. No missionary has yet engaged them with a Christian witness. I mean, in this age of technology and communication, when we can see global events as they occur simultaneously around the world, it's hard for us to understand that there are people isolated culturally and geographically that have no opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Jerry, two important terms in this missions thinking uh, are the terms unreached peoples. We've already mentioned that. And also unengaged peoples. Would you tell us about those two categories? Well, uh, it's kind of a mission terminology uh, of those that are involved to, to serve us. Basically, we refer to unreached people groups as those who may have access to the gospel. There may be a church in that language, in a capital city. There may be some scripture, Christian resources available, but it's a, a minuscule seed-sowing effort that hasn't even begun to touch most of the people. So they don't have access to the gospel. They're still unreached. Uh, maybe less than 1% have become believers, and the gospel is just really not spreading among them. Though unengaged unreached people groups are those who have no resources, have never even heard the name of Jesus. Hmm. So, J Jerry, what does it mean for 
a congregant from one of our churches to go to a place, uh, be among an unreached people group. When you get there, what do you do? Write tracks? <laughs> show up on the street corner and preach? What does the missionary do to begin engaging a people that don't have the gospel and no churches are already forming to invite them to come speak? Well, that's a good question, and you have to kind of back up to ask, why is it that in 2,000 years after the Great Commission and certainly more than 200 years of the modern mission movement that has spread the gospel throughout the world, why are there people groups that are still unengaged? Uh, Some of them are very difficult, isolated geographic area, a micro people group hidden away in a valley in the Himalayas or the Andes in, in South America that no one has just yet access them. We just haven't had the resources to deploy and to reach, uh, you know, literally to the ends of the earth. But primarily it's because of hostility to a Christian witness, uh, government restrictions that have prohibited missionaries over the years. And yet these people groups are systematically in being engaged not by traditional missionaries. The door is quickly closed to someone coming in to preaching the gospel, but through creative access platforms of humanitarian work, teachers, medical work, business consultants, these peoples all over the world, even in this hostile environment toward Christianity, want what we have to offer in terms of development and education and learning English, for example. And so the missionaries that are penetrating these unreached people groups are not people going in openly witnessing, but they're people out of the marketplace. Uh, There's been a trend of missionary appointments that we've noticed with the International Mission Board in every appointment service. There'll be engineers and doctors and businessmen and nurses and computer programmers and uh, bank auditors and people out of the marketplace that are using their credentials and skills to gain access legally and then being in these places among these people groups, build relationships through a lifestyle of witness that draw people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's very good. When uh, when the first conversions begin to happen, so you have a maybe a, f- a few people interested in the gospel or some initial conversions happening, there's not a, a, a formal church yet. What, what does that process look like in those relationships with new Christians? Well, it's interesting you would use the term formal church. Uh, I would assume that connotation in church as we know it. But, of course, the foreigner has to stay in the background. For his to gain a visibility of leadership as a part of such a fellowship, you know, would jeopardize the safety and security uh, of the Christian believers as well as the movement itself. So it's interesting to see how he will train and nurture and disciple believers, and they will begin to come together to read the scripture and pray together and I believe that's a more authentic expression of a New Testament church than what we see in our forms and uh, programs uh, in in America. And, of course, because it's not dependent on outside leadership 
are, are resources such as providing a, a church building, but in more cases than not, just in public places, in a home group. There's nothing to inhibit it multiplying and growing. And so we're seeing one of the some of the greatest rates of church growth happening actually in these restricted countries and people groups where the gospel is taking root for the first time. Jerry, what word would you have for some of the pastors and leaders listening to us now about the relationship between their local church and the unreached peoples of the world? Well, I've often said that it's not the responsibility of the International Mission Board, our agency, to do missions on behalf of Southern Baptists. The Great Commission was given to every believer and to every church. And what we're trying to do, and I think other mission agencies as well, is not to be an outlet that the church can cop out and let them do missions on their behalf, but we're seeking to enable and facilitate and involve the church giving them opportunity, channeling their efforts in being obedient to the Great Commission. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention has sent over 5,000 missionaries, but we'd have to more than double our number of missionaries just to have one person engaging each unreached people groups. We may eventually get there, but it'll be a while. But we'll never have enough missionaries to reach a lost world. But when pastors begin to realize the church exists to be on mission for God, that there are opportunities to channel a local church in America to be strategically involved in reaching an unreached people group, suddenly the Great Commission is doable when we mobilize our resources and our people. But another aspect of that is the fact all the peoples of the world are coming to America. We would be challenged to find any unreached people group from around the world that doesn't have a population segment in the United States. And I often think of this, of the amazement of the apostles on the day of Pentecost, when the scripture says, and there were gathered in Jerusalem men from every nation under earth there in Jerusalem. And what happened? They heard the gospel in their own language. Why should they have been surprised? Jesus had just told them a few days earlier that they were to proclaim the gospel to the Pantata ethne and all peoples. It was as if he was saying, listen, this is what I'm talking about. If you're not going to them, I'm bringing them to you. And so many churches need to wake up and realize God has brought the nations into their cities and communities, and they're going to stand accountable before God for fulfilling his mission, whether or not they go overseas or not. Jerry, thank you for joining us. Would you pray for us as we close? Thank you, David. I surely will. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are moving in unprecedented ways to reach a lost world, to take the gospel to the nations and peoples of the world. And Lord, we don't do missions out of a sense of obligation because someone's got to do it or because Jesus commanded us to. Lord, we just thank you that you've given us the privilege of knowing you. And in knowing Jesus Christ, you've given us the privilege of being the ones to take the good news of your sovereign grace and your love to a lost world that is desperate to know the hope and security that only Jesus Christ can provide. I pray that you would find us faithful and obedient in the calling to reach the nations for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.